Well, good morning again. If you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to open it with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians is about in the middle of the New Testament, which is towards the end of the book. We'll be in chapter 15, verses 12 through 20 this morning as we continue this sermon series that we began last week entitled Resurrection Results as we see in 1 Corinthians the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Spirit of God addressing many different issues. We talked about this a little bit last week, but just to remind you, get you up to speed, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are both letters from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. This letter is full of many different topics, many different things that, that he's talking about. He addresses all sorts of issues within the church, theological things. He, ad- he addresses order within the church. He addresses all sorts of stuff. But we come to chapter 15, and at the beginning of chapter 15, he uses that word, moreover. And then he begins to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And, and what we see is that Paul is saying that all of these other things are upheld by or all of these other things are important because of the resurrection of Jesus. If we don't have a resurrection, if Jesus isn't alive, then none of the other things that I've been talking about with the church and order in the church and how you respond to people and these theological things, none of them matter if Jesus isn't alive. And he says that because the church in Corinth is living in a culture where at least some groups of people are proclaiming that there is no resurrection. And again, they're not, they're not denying just a resurrection of Jesus. They're denying resurrection of anybody ever. They say, this just can't happen. When, when you die, you're dead. And nothing happens after that. And so, live your life. There are no consequences in eternity. There is no reward in eternity. Just live your life and die and go on, right? And Paul recognizes that somehow, in some way, this idea is starting to creep into the church. Whether it just has them questioning, whether it has them discussing, or whether there are people who are starting to believe this, he says, this is something we cannot believe. This is something that goes against everything about who we are as believers in Jesus, as Christians, as the church. And in this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be in verses 12 through 20, he gives one of the most profound and deep reasons for believing in or for trusting in the resurrection. He, he tells us that Everything that we are is based on this one thing. That's why That's why Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is such a big deal. Because everything that we are rests upon this. If Jesus is not risen, then the rest of it doesn't matter. And that's why the title of the message is No Resurrection. Is there or is there not? So look with me if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll begin reading again in verse 12 through verse 20. God's perfect and inspired word says this. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some 
from among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found as false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so in the first two verses of our text this morning, in verses 12 and 13, it says this again. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And so what Paul says is that there is a, there is a conversation, a difference, a divide that is happening between what he and the other apostles have preached between what, what the pastors have been preaching about the resurrection and what the people are beginning to believe. He says, it's been preached to you that Christ has risen from the dead. It has been preached to you not just by people who believe it, not by just people who heard about it, but by firsthand witnesses. Paul preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, not because he heard it, but because he saw him. The Apostle Paul, traveling along the road, has an encounter with the risen Jesus. He says, this is, not, this is not conjecture. This isn't something that I've thought of. This isn't something that I just believe. This is something that I know. And I preach this to you. I proclaim this to you because I know, because I saw him. And he says, but for some reason, that which you have believed in, that which you have professed to have saved you, that which has formed your church, you're beginning to believe something different. You're beginning to believe that maybe he wasn't fully bodily resurrected. And so, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus has not risen. And so Paul says, listen, what you're believing and what we're preaching are not lining up. And in fact, what you're believing and the foundation of your faith don't line up anymore. Does that make sense? He says, you're trusting in a resurrection to give you eternal life, but now in the same hand, you're saying there is no resurrection. That's not how it works. It, it can't work that way. Either there is or there isn't. And so the apostle then dives into that idea, if there isn't. He says, these are the ramifications. And here, here's the thing. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to remind us that when we begin to believe and accept things from the culture that are contrary to the clear teaching of the Word of God, there are always ramifications. Always. No matter what it is, when we begin to believe and accept things from the culture that are clearly in opposition to the Word of God, there are ramifications for that. 
There's probably none bigger than the resurrection of Jesus, though. And he says, I don't know if you know what you're getting yourself into. Have you ever had one of those situations with, with your children or your grandchildren? They get ready to do something and you think, oh, this, is, this isn't going to end well, you know. And you say something like, are you sure this is, I, I see parents out there elbowing, like, like, you know, are you sure this is a good idea? Oh, yeah, I got this. I got this. You don't have this. You think you do, but you don't. You have no idea how bad this is going to end. And what Paul is saying is, is you don't know how catastrophic it is to your faith to proclaim that there is no resurrection from the dead. He said it is, again, like pulling the foundation from out from under a home. The whole thing collapses. And so we see now the results of that if. You'll notice as we read verses 14 through 19, I want you to just take note how many times Paul says if. Because remember, he's, he's creating a hypothetical scenario. If there is no resurrection and if Christ has not risen, then this is the situation that you find yourselves in. So look with me again in verses 14 through 19. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men the most pitiable. So the first thing is something that we've already talked about, but it's important for us to point this out again. He says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if no one can ever be resurrected from the dead, which by the way, some of these people have already heard about others being resurrected from the dead, right? Lazarus resurrected from the dead. When Jesus died, people came out of the graves and walked into the town, right? But anyway, they, they say, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then the first thing, the most important thing, is that Jesus is not risen. In verse 13, it says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. In verse 16, it says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. He says, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus is still dead. And if Jesus is still dead, then everything about him has to be false. If Jesus is still dead, then the gospel is incomplete. If you look back up in verses 3 and 4 in chapter 15, it says this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In verse 1, he defines that as the gospel, as the good news. And so Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then Christ is not resurrected. And if Christ is not resurrected, the gospel is incomplete. If Christ is not resurrected, then he is a false prophet. Listen, this doesn't just put a small chink in the armor of Jesus. This doesn't just hurt his credibility. If Jesus is not resurrected from the dead, Jesus is just as much of a man as you and I. He is not God. He is not a savior. He is not a Messiah. He's just a man in history. 
who pulled some good pranks, right? Who had some good magic tricks. If Jesus is not alive, then he is nothing more than you and I. In fact, is worse, he is a false prophet because he proclaimed that he would. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 through 23, it says this. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Jesus proclaimed more than one time that he was going to die and be buried and be raised up. And if Jesus had not been raised up, if there was no resurrection and Jesus is not alive, then Jesus is a liar and Jesus is a false prophet. And Jesus stands in the judgment of God. That's a pretty big ramification of what they believe. Would you agree with that? Jesus goes from being the holy, perfect, sinless, spotless lamb, son of God, eternal king, creator of all things, to being a false prophet who stands in judgment before a holy God. If there is no resurrection, he is not the Messiah. He is not victorious. So the first result of the if is that Christ is not risen. The second result of the if is in verses 14 and 15. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found as false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. First ramification of if is that Christ is not risen. The second is that our preaching is empty. Paul says if there is no resurrection of Christ, then everything that I have said and everything that I have done is useless. Every, every message I've preached, every, every letter that I've written, every theological statement I've made, everything that I've done in order to build the church of God is absolutely useless. That word empty means vain, useless, of no value. But again, just the same way with Jesus, he's not saying that his credibility is just hurt. He's saying that he too is a false witness, that he has lied about what God has done. He has lied about who God is. Listen, Paul is saying, if I have proclaimed there to be a resurrection and there isn't a resurrection of Jesus, then I have claimed someone to be God that is not God. That, that's why it's dangerous. It's still dangerous. That, that's why we warn you of teachers who say that you're little gods. Because whenever you proclaim someone to be God who is not God, you are a false teacher. And so Paul says that I have deceived or am being deceived. Listen, if he says that he is a false witness of God, any person who is a false witness of God is one of two things. He is either deceived and therefore deceiving others by accident, or he knows that he's deceived and he is deceiving others on purpose. Either way, they are not being led to the one true God. And so he says that himself and all of the apostles are false witnesses if Jesus has not been raised. The third thing is this. Look in verse 14 again. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Look in verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins. He said the faith that you have, the trust that you have put in Jesus Christ, the, the, the faith that you have in God is futile. It's useless. It's worthless. The basis of your belief is completely gone. Jesus isn't who he says he is. He cannot save you. You are still in your sin. Do you notice what he says? Again, he says it's not like you should just find a different church. He said you should just walk away because you're still in your sin. What Paul is saying is that if Christ has not risen, you better go find an animal and take it to the temple today because you better shed some blood because you're still in your sin. The sacrifice of Jesus wasn't a sacrifice. It was just a man dying. That's what he says. You are still in your sin. There is no salvation. There is no life. Listen, if the Bible proclaims that we are dead in our trespasses, there is no hope of life unless our Savior has life. A dead Savior can't give life to anyone. And so he says that you are, your faith is futile, it is useless, you're still in your sin. Look in verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He said if Christ has not risen, then those who have believed and have died have perished. They are not experiencing eternal life. Our church has experienced loss in a great way, just in the last couple of weeks. I preached a funeral last week. And while those words don't completely fix all of the sorrow in a family who's experiencing loss, it is good to be able to say that this grave is not the end. That there is a place of reuniting, that he is or she is in glory, that they are receiving their reward. And he said, you don't have any hope for those in the faith that have died if there is no resurrection. Just forget about them and go on. And the last thing is this, look in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. In other words, if we have only put our hope in Jesus and Jesus is dead, then we are of all men most pitiable. We have believed a lie. We have publicly proclaimed a lie. We have been persecuted for the lie. And some have lost their lives for the lie. You can't be in any more pitiful of a situation than that can you? That you have been deceived and you are deceiving others and you are even being persecuted for that? And so he says, of all men in all the world, you're the most pitiable because you sought to be righteous when you didn't need to be, because you sought to honor a God who doesn't exist, because you followed a man who really, who you thought was God, who is not God, because you put your hope in something that there is no hope. And so what we see is is Paul completely deconstructing that idea. He says, if Christ is not risen, then everything that we are about is absolutely useless. And some of you are saying like, man, 
this is a really encouraging message. Right? Like, but then you read verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But now Christ is risen from the dead, church. Today he's alive the same way he was alive that day that Mary Magdalene went to look for him and he was not there and the angels proclaimed that he is not here, he is risen. He is just as much alive today as he was then. That but now is just as true when Paul penned it as it is today. And if you notice when he writes this in verse 20, in verses 12 through 19, every single verse has at least one if in it. Do you notice that? Sometimes two. If he isn't, if, if. You see an if here? No way. Because Paul says he is risen from the dead. I know he's risen from the dead because I've seen him and he's changed my world. And I've seen him change the world of person after person after person after person. And he is alive and you'll never tell me he isn't because I've seen him. And so listen, this is what's great about this passage of scripture. Because if we read verses 12 through 19, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? If we read that, we think, oh, then this isn't true and it's not any fun. But when you read verse 20, you can go back through all of those things and see that none of those things are actually true. And all of those things are actually better than what we thought that they were. So if Christ is risen from the dead, then he is alive. It is a fact. You have believed in the one true God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He has conquered the grave. He has done all of those things. And what you hear and what you believe don't change it. He is alive. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. He is the Creator of the world. He is the Redeemer. He is the one who comes in grace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He is all of those things because He has conquered the grave. And now because He is alive, your preaching is not futile. Your preaching is vital. What we do on Sunday mornings when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we share the message with our friends of the resurrection of Jesus, there is no greater message in all of the world than that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. You can't be any more opposite of futile than vital. I don't know what words to use to tell you how important that is. We must be a church who continues to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. If the preaching is futile without it, it is vital with it. And so we must continue. It can never be more important than it is today to continue to proclaim that. So he is risen. So Jesus is alive. Our preaching is vital. And your faith is saving. He says your faith is futile. Without a resurrection, your faith is saving faith with. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace you've been saved by, through faith. Through the grace of God, your faith has saved you. Saved you from an eternity in hell. Saved you from eternal damnation. Saved you from a futile life on this earth. Saved you from wasting every minute of this earthly life on the things of the world. Saved you from your sin to righteousness. It has saved you. Verse 18, again it says, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ has risen from the dead, then those who are in Christ have not perished. Aren't you thankful for that? That there will be a day, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and they were a believer in Jesus Christ, that there will be a reuniting where we will spend all of eternity with those people, that there is hope beyond the grave. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to fear the grave, that death has lost its sting? Death has lost its sting. Why? Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus conquered that death. We are not the most pitiable. We are the most blessed. We certainly don't have anything in ourselves to boast of because we didn't do any of those things. We didn't even have faith on our own. It was given to us. But we are the most blessed. And here's, here's what we have to remember. Those who are without Jesus, if you're without Jesus today, if you've yet to repent of sin and turn and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, then friend, with all the love and compassion that I can muster, you are the most pitiable. And there, there ought to be something in our heart, Christian, that responds to a lost world with love and care. That doesn't just look and be frustrated and angry and whatever it may be but responds with love, responds with the gospel, responds with that which can save. But now he is risen. Because he is alive, our preaching is vital, our faith is saving, the dead in Christ have not perished. We are the most blessed. This morning, we believe that Jesus is alive, not again because we've figured something out that the rest of the world can't figure out. We believe that because the Holy Spirit of God has revealed it in our hearts. And I pray this morning that I know that my words don't mean much, and to some of you, my words don't mean anything, and I understand that. But I would just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would reveal that in your heart this morning, that Jesus did die for your sins. He did pay the penalty so that you don't have to. He did rise again, defeating the grave so that you can have life, eternal life with him. And that if you'll put faith in him this morning, it'll be saving faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come before you a people who are humble. God, we recognize today that 
We are here simply because of your grace, because of your goodness, because of the power that you have shown in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we recognize that everything that we do here is useless unless it's about you and for you and from you. God, this morning, I just pray for anyone within the sound of my voice who is yet to put their faith in Jesus as the resurrected Savior, to trust him for their salvation. I pray that they would do that this morning. That they would turn from sin and self and turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, help us to be a people who proclaim that which we know to be true. Who share with those who are struggling, who are hurting, that there is hope. There's hope because Jesus has conquered the grave. Father, this morning we thank you for your love for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.